Hello friends and welcome to your midweek edition of the Kings of Anglia football podcast. It's Wednesday, it's time to break out the bunting, pop open the Prosecco and don those dancing shoes because Ipswich Town have only gone and bloody done it baby. They've finally beaten a top seven side and not only that, they've beaten a top three side boys. Incredible. We've finally got something to get excited about. My name is Mark Heath, I'm your host and with me the men who were in Hull last night and watched one hull of a win and then made one hull of a journey home. Andy Warren and Stuart Watson. I'm going to come to you first, Stu, because you look like you're cold. How are you, Watto? I am quite cold, actually. It's a bit drafty in my spare room. I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm, I, you're sporting a, a gilet, I believe they're called. Um, I'm a big fan of those myself uh, and looking cold, as I say. Um, but obviously the man whose task it is mainly to keep you warm these days Andy Warren, you're not looking cold, Andy. You're looking nice and toasty, actually, in a, a killing-inspired jumper. How are you, my friend? See, you guys have absolutely no idea what's going going on below the waist during that during podcast, do you, with me? I'll show you because we're on video. Listeners can't see. I have this blanket over me every time <laughs> we record. It's got little bunnies on it. Is that what it is? If you hadn't yeah. told me that, it, it kind of looks like dirty underpants. Uh, no, they're little... <laughs> little rabbits and it's this nice fleecy fleecy little blanket that all day every day working from home i have this blanket over my legs and i will not be cold i'm going to start taking it to games soon man you've changed from a from a man who famously didn't even wear a coat when we first started this podcast now you're sitting at home with a blanket over your knees you've changed Hutchie. you've changed for, for the better um, for the better something else has changed for the better is it's which town's form boys last night as I said, they they won at Hull. None of us saw that coming. Um, they're now unbeaten, boys, for three games. They've not conceded a goal for three games. Uh, and last night against free-scoring Hull City, one of the, the highest-scoring sides in the entire football league, they kept another bloody clean sheet and only went and won the game. So let's get excited about it. It's been a while since we've been able to get excited about anything to do with town. So I'm going to come to you first, Stewie. Best performance of the season. Your thoughts, please. Uh Yes. 100% performance <laughs> of the season. Yes. Um, arguably right up there in terms of certainly biggest result of the Paul Lambert reign, two and a half years. The last time they had a statement win like that was probably Fleetwood, right at the very start of last season. And that was way back in October 2019. It feels like a real monkey off the back to to finally beat one of the and the, these stats about being a top seven side are getting a bit muddled up now because the Accrington have, have crept back into the top seven and um, blah blah blah. But they've struggled to beat the best sides in the division is the bottom line. And Hull were one of the better are one of the better sides in the division, and they beat them. Not only did they beat them, they fully deserved to beat them. It was a performance. Very different to the 4-1 win at Blackpool, if we're talking about the best of the season. That was a day where they were incisive, they were clinical, everything they hit went in. This was a game that had a bit of everything. It was on the front foot, it was physical, it had fight, it had character. Um, It required them to dig in for the final 10 minutes. Um, Credit where credit's due. We've been very quick to absolutely batter them this season, right? Justifiably slow when it's not lived up to standards. But that was everything you want to see from a from a performance. It had um, all those things that I just mentioned. Really, 
Mm. Hutchie, obviously, is is a groundbreaking win for Town, um, beating a top side. I know it's the kind of situation we're in now with with Ipswich Town. Um, how excited should we be about last night? Because it it, it wasn't just a scraping a scraping a one nil win. It was a really impressive performance, uh, particularly from your boy Norwood uh, and others. Um, Chewy's Chewy's um, comment piece that went out this morning saying everyone to a man played a part and, and played well. So how excited should we be about it? It could have been more. Um, it, it could have been two or three, two or three nil, which, um, which you know, on paper looks different to a, to a one nil win. An outsider might look at it and think, yeah, it, it is a, a scraped, a scraped victory. But I, I'm excited by it. I'm cautiously excited by it. I'm not. I'm not sitting here thinking that. What Paul Lambert said, going back two years, talking about when it turns, it's going to be brilliant. Uh, I don't. I don't think this is the turn. I, I'm not fully. I'm not expecting it to just be an avalanche of goals and and joy and a push for the top two or anything crazy from here. But it's the first time in a long time that I've I've come away from an Ipswich game feeling feeling buoyed by it, feeling optimistic by it. You have to keep checking yourself because you know what's gone before, and there have been these kind of bright bright spots that don't get followed up and and you kind of dip back into where they were before the one step forward one then one or two steps back but I what I want to be really excited about it and you know I, and I'm going to be really excited about it just that that excitement may dip away and leave us come come Saturday with the Doncaster game but for, for now I'm feeling really optimistic about it because I think they might just have stumbled across, across a formula here mm. that works for them that they had the right players on the pitch it's taken a long old time to get there. Should have been further along by now. But I think they had they've had some partnership. There's some partnerships. And that's what excites me. Partnerships, centre back partnerships, strike partnerships, whatever position you want to say Troy Parrott played. Partnerships. And mm. there's the be- there's the beginnings of something there. So to answer your question in a long winded way, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna feel optimistic about it until I'm proved otherwise because because I, I really enjoyed it last night. Yeah, it was notable in your post-game video. Both both you boys looked um, looked pretty pretty buoyant, and certainly last night on social media, I was, I was feeling pretty uh, pretty excited too. It's hard not to though, isn't it? When you invest so much time of your working life into following the fortunes of a team who've been shit for what's, so long, what's the point if you can't if you can't enjoy the highs? Then football fandoms, I'm hesitant to say shouldn't be for you, but. I, I get. I look. We know. We've talked about this. We've spent hours and hours of our life um, invested in this, and um, it's been pretty miserable for a long time. So I do get the deep, deep cynicism that is in everybody. We've had so many false dawns. I can hear people shouting at their down down their headsets or whatever at the moment like calm down guys it's it's one game one swallow doesn't make a summer they'll still be saying it doesn't change anything about the manager and all of that and I'm not saying the bigger picture has suddenly changed overnight um but when these sort of games come along it's important to enjoy them I think Mm. I think uh, the point I was making to you is even though we're not technically fans in inverted commas we, we invest a lot of time following this club around um and it was hard. It's hard, obviously, not to get involved in it. And we do get involved in it. And last night was was one of those moments, certainly rare in recent times, where I felt generally uplifted by the result. And you know, doing all the work last night was was actually good fun, as opposed to the slog it can sometimes be when town aren't playing very well. But Stewie, in, in terms of the turnaround, just a week ago, 
on this very day a week ago, we were sat with young Roscoe, who's not with us today. Um, day off. He's, it's not uh, any breaking news there. Um, saying, <laughs> saying, yeah, that'd be a way to announce. He, he's it. he's got he's gone. <laughs> he's, no, he's, he's no longer with us. <laughs> um, but yeah, just a week ago, me, you, and Roscoe, we we sat here and we talked about what was a low point. You referred to it as the the miserable nil nil draw, dreadful nil nil draw at home against lowly Northampton one of the worst games any of us ever had the misfortune to watch. And yet a week later, we're talking about a nil-nil home draw against Oxford, which was an improvement. But obviously, Oxford were League One's form side. And now a 1-0 away win at Hull, the side sitting third in the league. So what's changed? What? Where has this winning formula suddenly come from? You've obviously got your boys in defence. You've got Wilson and NCR who've come in. And they, to be fair, were the, the, the centre-back partner partnership at the start of the season when things were going so well. And also, I note last night, you were talking about Norwood and Parrott um, playing together and Parrott in this number 10 role. Um, what, what for you is, has suddenly changed? I think that obviously a change in personnel was the first thing to talk about. Um, it was a young team um, against Northampton very similar to the one against Blackpool. So let's, you know, us included, everyone was talking about getting excited about that injection of of youth and energy and how they played against Blackpool. But I think in the Northampton game, we maybe saw the the downside of that, that just maybe lacking a bit of experience. So by bringing in people like Wilson, Enciala, Norwood, um, has just added a little bit of nous and experience and physicality and and all of those sort of things that, that's needed. Um, and it's been a, a real change in style as well. Paul Lambert has spent the whole season talking about being completely wedded to his principles of possession football. And I will not move away from that. I've done it before and I won't do it again. And we stick to that. And even what a week or so ago, he was saying he still wouldn't go away from that in the search for points. He would stick to it, but they have moved away from it. It has gone more direct and not aimless long ball direct. It's direct with a purpose. It's just getting the ball into the final third more. And and I just think they're just playing to people's strengths a bit more. They're not asking Toto Enciala and James Wilson to be ball playing Rio Ferdinand, John Stone-esque players. I think that for too long, they've been obsessed with maybe trying to copy the trends at the top end of the game. There's been little references to Liverpool and Man City here and there. You're in League One with League One players and sometimes you have to play to your strengths. And so they've let those two centre-halves do what they're good at and that's defend. Get your head on it, clear it, do the ugly stuff. And if you have to go longer, you go longer. And and in James Norwood, they've got a striker that enables them to do that. Someone who will win the fight balls, win the headers make it stick if he doesn't make it stick at least he makes it drop loose and then as a collective unit Ipswich were then quick to the second balls they were they were on those second balls and they actually finished the game with less possession than Hull and there's not many games this season where they finished off with less possession than the opposition but when they did have the ball it was in the right areas of the pitch it was in that final third it was that first half in particular they they had Hull pinned back and um you know, before we've talked about the opposition being able just to sit in, get organised, and I think Ipswich were too predictable to play against. You knew that the centre-backs would knock it between each other. You knew that they would play it five yards into Dazelle. And 
Ipswich just so many times couldn't pick the lock. And now they're getting into the final third. Wham, bam, three, four, five seconds of fury. And it creates a bit of chaos. And the opposition can't can't get set and organised. And um, they just looked a more threatening team by playing that way. Can we take a small moment to reflect and appreciate in in terms of that direct approach? Miles Kenlock's passed to unleash James Norwood last night, Hutchie, your boy. Laser. What, what a pass that was. That's the sort of pass I was always used to Ooh. trying to play on, on FIFA, diagonal across the pitch um, to unleash the striker. But a, a brilliant pass and a superb finish as well. Yeah, the flight on it wasn't it wasn't lofted. It didn't it didn't give a defender an opportunity to size it up. It was kind of it was flat. It was it was like a, it was like a laser and it dropped perfectly for Norwood in there. It, I think the finish was better than it gets the credit for as well. He's held off hitting that. He's not rushed to the ball. He's let the ball come to his right foot and he's waited for the goalkeeper to plant his left foot for the momentum of the goalkeeper to be heading heading the other way when he sends the ball back across him. It's a really good finish. And those are the, the exact type of goals uh, that Norwood was brought in to score. Instinctive, being given these chances inside the box. I, he's a better striker when he's playing on instinct, when he's not having to think, when he just when he just picks a spot and buries it. That's what that's what he's here to do. We've not seen as, as much of it over the last two years as we'd have wanted, but that's what he can do. And and if they're going to make this this charge back into the promotion race, it, it's going to be on the on the back of him, I think. So keeping him fit from this point on is is going to be is going to be a challenge. He's get he's putting the minutes in, he's putting the work in. But to do this Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, which is still ongoing till the end of March, there's another five weeks of that mm. um, at least. That that's going to be one of their biggest challenges over the next little bit of time. But he he was excellent. He was unreal and not, not just the goal, but his general play um, was superb. And I think you said, Andy, he was down. He had treatment three times in the second half. I think half. so, yeah. And, and that's a real concern. They talked about him being on a sort of a minutes limit of 45 to 60 max fairly recently. Well, he's done 80, 81 minutes, two games back to back now. Um, they're pushing it with him and it's a risk that they have to take. It's a risk that's paid off um, on Tuesday. But um, I would go as far as saying if they break James Norwood, they break their chances because he is by far and away their best striker at this at this football club. Um, if you start killing these games off a little bit earlier, if they could if they could have had a second or a third, you can start getting him off the pitch. That's that's the challenge here. Get the games won by the hour mark. Get two up, get three up, then you can get James Norwood off and you can nurse him through. So, yeah, I, I'm, I was excited by last night, really encouraged by it. But that that's going to be a challenge now. If mm. j- just put yourself in a position where you can get James Norwood off the pitch with the job done. That's that's what I want to see with them now. And and if if they can do that, they've got a chance. We've often talked on here about the lack of players who are able or willing to put the team on their back and and lead by example and literally carry teams through games but Norwood is that player isn't he just by the way that he he throws himself around the pitch he, you know he's he's in the middle of everything he's the sort of guy who could literally carry this team isn't he Stu that's what you're saying yeah 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 there's there's a real shortage of players in that kind of peak form peak age of their career in this squad i think that's been a real issue you've got the the homegrown players, okay, they're not babies anymore. We're not talking about 17, 18-year-olds in, in many of 
their cases, early 20s, but not players that have really sort of matured to their peak. And then the ones that the experienced guys are kind of wrong end of their career, fading now in terms of your, your Chambers and Stephen Wards and people like that. So it needed that those players in the sort of 26 to 29 age bracket to really step up and be counted. And James Norwood, I think he's 30 now, is, is certainly one, one of those. Um, Wilson, 30 years of age. Enciala, you know, those are in that sort of bracket. And uh, I think that's really helped with the sort of the balance of this team. It's that the team looked like it's got a bit more balance in terms of just so many different things in terms of left footed, right footed balance, pace, uh, technicality, physicality. You have to get all those ingredients right, uh, the right sort of little blend of those. And, and this, this is looking a little bit more like a more balanced team now, a less predictable team, I would say. Mm. Can we also reflect in terms of James Norwood? Um, not too long ago, he had the ball dome. Last night, I believe, boys, he had the top knot, an embarrassment of riches now, atop his head. Do you look yeah. at that, Stu? Do you look at that, Stu, and think, hmm, tempting? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Is that Was that his end game all along, do you think, when he went to get the old hair transplant that... I don't know. I wonder if that. I wonder if the top knot is a is a joke. I wonder if he's just kind of put in a little little hair tie in there just for a just for a laugh because it doesn't look like it was meant. We're not we're not talking Will Keane level of top knot here, are we? This is just kind of. I think I could do that at the moment with this shaggy mess on top. I think I could get one of my daughter's little hair bands and almost fashion that into a some kind of some kind of top knot. I think you should in go there. I think, I think go I, yeah. What do you reckon? I think I'd, I imagine, I'd imagine from Norwood's point of view, having been barren atop his head for so long, the just the, the sheer pleasure and ability to put your hair in a top knot, something to, to relish. And I was going to suggest to you, if you're up for it, we could start getting a crowdfunding scheme going to, to get you uh, similarly top knotted up, maybe through the KOA yeah. army. I'll put £10 in. Turkey or somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Whichever, uh, whichever. Whichever place did his hair transplant, they should definitely get him on some of the promotional material, shouldn't they? Because it, it, Tur- it was Turkey, wasn't it? I'm, I'm I right think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was either, either Turkey. I don't know if it was Turkey for the teeth or for the for the hair. Which <laughs> one? I don't know they which one. Turkey. He, he he. When he first joined, I asked him about this because I think he got his teeth done to celebrate Tranmere's promotion into League Two. Then Tranmere's promotion to League One was the hair, and I can't remember what he said was the next. Was the next promotion uh, body body, body improve body improvement? I'm not sure what's left. Yeah, um, if you are interested, my hairdresser um, knows knows people. He went out to Turkey and uh, and had his hair done out there. He too was was bald atop uh, and is now well upholstered in the hair department. Um, I remember him telling me about it. He couldn't sweat though, which is a problem in Turkey. You're not allowed to sweat, and obviously Turkey is about forty degrees. <laughs> So he had to you, spend the entire time after and before the uh, well after the procedure, I guess, um, in his room with the aircon on. He couldn't basically couldn't <laughs> go outside. <laughs> weren't, weren't, weren't we worried when he when Norwood first got this done because he came? It was quite soon before pre-season, weren't we? I remember us discussing how he would manage to do yeah. pre-season training without without, without sweating. Out. Absolutely, but he, he did. He did all right. Fair play. <laughs> the, the job is done. I also just want to talk about the, um, the the partnership that is burgeoning with Troy Parrott, Stuart. And I, you, you mentioned last night that the way Parrott plays in a kind of number 10 role behind Norwood is different to what you've seen so far. He, he plays mm. 
closer to him is what is that what you were saying they certainly seem to have some kind of understanding there yeah I, people talking about four four two and two up top it, it's not a four four two parrot is very much the number 10 if you look at his heat map he was all over the place but his instinct is to form that that partnership with norwood if you tied a rope between the two of them you know there would be a certain amount of space that they're always within each other his instinct is to support the striker rather than to link with the midfield i would say um and as andy said it's all it's all about partnerships in different area of the pitch and um his decision making at times and his final end product wasn't quite there but you can see there's a real swagger and there's a real edge about him his work rate was unbelievable we talked about norwood leaving absolutely everything on the pitch parrot was the same um he kind of epitomised their work rate towards the closing stages when he charged back the length of the pitch and, and won the ball sort of edge of his own box. Um, Paul Lambert sort of said afterwards, I've, I've got my own ideas about how far Troy Parrott's going to go in the game, but I think stopped short of kind of uh, wanting to give the, the big headline statement about he can go on to be X, Y and Z. But um uh, yes, uh, he's got that little bit of edge about him as well. And I think between the two of them, they're going to be a real handful for people because they've both got that real sort of competitive edge in them. And mm. I think um, when you've got two like that in the team, that's that's going to be a real handful. And I know we... as well... Sorry, Karen. No, uh, you carry on. I was going to change the subject. I will not do it. I was just going to say, I know Norwood as well last night used the opportunity with his goal celebration to take the piss out of Troy Parrott, as far as I could tell. Something on TikTok. I'm not a TikToker, but I, I saw Parrot doing some kind of dance, which I think Norwood was copying. So clearly, there is a a, a relationship forming there mm. as well, which is which is good to see. Um, Hutchie, what were you going to digress but, to? First, I was I was going to talk about another partnership on the pitch, but can I also just say I don't think TikTok's meant for us. Sue no. and I had this discussion in the car. I don't I don't think it's for us. It's not for our demographic. It's for I 19 year olds. I can't be bothered either. It's too much social media to look at. It's another one. It's just it's just too much. Not for me. <laughs> it's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> not for me either. Um I was gonna I was gonna talk about Andre Dazelle and Teddy Bishop, which isn't the most eye catching of the partnerships that were on the field last night, which was obviously Parrot and Norwood and then the centre back pairing of Wilson and Enciala we've talked about a lot over the last week. But I was I was quite impressed by the the two of them last night. They're not necessarily the midfield two you would think would be the answer to kind of a sitting two, a deeper two. Flynn Downs, you would have thought, would be straight back into the team at the weekend when Doncaster visit. But I, I think there's a real a real question for Paul Lambert there now over whether he does that because because uh, Bishop and Dazelle, I thought, played really well in there. They were measured, they were calm, they knew where to be. They didn't get too gung-ho going forward, but they also did break, break out from the back when they needed to. They offered protection to Enciala, and Wilson snaffled some loose balls um, and, and didn't give Hull an awful lot of room to work, I didn't think. I, I, I think some credit goes to Paul Lambert there because I think there, there almost certainly was some some different instructions for those two and, and credit to the two of them as well because despite not being the most physically blessed of, of midfield players in terms of kind of the hustle and bustle of it, I think they, they competed really well in there and helped give Ipswich a, a nice platform to work on. Mm. Okay, well, let's widen that a little bit more because I was going to ask you about about partnerships and clearly there we talked about Parrot and Norwood. Um, you you brought up Dazelle and Bishop and, and also um, 
Enciala and Wilson. Are these the partnerships that Town should be looking to keep together going forward? Are these now the first choice partnerships, Stewie? Um, I think successful sides are settled sides. Um, <clears throat> the Blackpool game was really good and then changed quite a bit and maybe lost a bit of momentum this time around. Kept the same team as Oxford, built on it. Um, yes, the games are going to come thick and fast, but as Paul Lambert himself said right at the start of the season, getting a getting a winning side and uh, and become robust. And it's amazing when when you're winning games and playing well, how those little knocks and niggles seem to uh, to go away or clear up quite quickly. There will be times where it needs to be rotated, I'm sure, um, but you want that nucleus of a team. You want when I look back, I heard Mick Mills talking about this on the radio the other night. When you look back at the, the playoff season under Mick McCarthy, there was always a nucleus of six or seven players. You knew that it would be Berra and Smith and um, Scoos and Murphy. And um, you need that that nucleus there. And quite often it's, you know, the wingers and people that interchange. And But that that we talked about that core, that spine of the side there. Mm. And um, I'd like to see that in, in place as much as possible, really. I think that gives you something to build on and around. Mm. We, as you say, Stu, you always talk about a, a spine to a side. And the spine starts at the back with, with any football team. Defence wins championships, as they say, over in America, Stu. You, you know all about that. Wilson and Enciala, Hutchie, you, you're obviously a, a fully paid up member of the James Wilson fan club, but an unfashionable duo in many ways, certainly compared to... Luke Wolfenden and, and Mark McGuinness, youngsters. Um, but they are clearly now the best two centre-backs, aren't they? I think so, yeah. Um, from the beginning of the season, I think my my pairing, when it became clear that Chambers was at, at right-back, my, my pairing would have been Wolfenden and, <clears throat> and Wilson. Um, but if Toto can play like he has in the last two games, which was, look, we, we know with Toto there's a danger isn't there he's he's proven that that there are danger zones where he can put himself in trouble but he is also capable of getting through games without doing that he's shown that in the last two and if Toto Enciala can can keep that consistency and and resist the temptations that are there to hit for him sometimes I think they are the best the best two part partnership there I don't think you need a, a fancy Ball playing defense. Sue mentioned it earlier about the Rio Ferdinand John Stones. You don't need players like that to 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 get out of League One. You just need, you just need a solid defense, and that's three clean sheets in a row. Obviously, uh, the the Wilson and Ciala partnership was only in there for two of them, but if they can do that, they're going to have a real chance of winning these of winning these games. Particularly if they've then got Parrot and Nor- Norwood at the other end of the pitch, who who offer a threat. Parrot could have scored last night as well. Even Keenan Bennett's could have scored last night. The wingers were getting involved in it and it does just provide you that platform. I think Wilson and Enciala, what they do as well, rather than McGuinness and Wolfenden, I think they speed up the ball getting from their feet into the other opposition third. Whereas before it was kind of Wolfenden, McGuinness, back again, slowly into Dizel, who then find another one of the defenders. It's skipping out that stage. It's moving the ball quicker and it's having an effect on the rest of the team as well, not just in a defensive sense, but in every sense. Mm. They just The personnel just seemed right in these two games. It's taken so long to get there, but it did just feel right. 
And the man powered by Watsits, as we revealed earlier in the week, Miles Kenlock, um, made the left-back slot his own now. Um, well, Stewie, what, how's this happened? Because Miles Kenlock, not too long ago, we were, he was very much on the fringes, very much out in the cold. Um, and now he is consensus first choice left-back and has played tremendously well. How, <laughs> do you have any idea how, other than Watsits, what this turnaround is, uh, is down to? Um. I would say that I think maybe just getting a run in the side has been helpful to him. But that said, he came straight in for the crew game and has been like this from from game one. He's got he looked really good at crew and he's built and built on it as he's gone along. Um, Miles Kenlock has played made over eighty starts for Ipswich Town Football Club, which is great. You'd never have thought that he's, mm. he's been the kind of always been the understudy. Um, I don't think he was quite old enough when Cresswell was there, but certainly he was understudy to Mings. He was understudy to... Then they go out and sign Jonas Knudsen instead of promoting him. Then they go out and sign Stephen Ward instead of promoting him. So it's not just the fans that have had major question marks over Miles Kenlock. It's been managers too, and not just one manager. Um, and there's reasons for that, which we've discussed, but... He has looked. I don't. I don't think he's ever looked like a liability at times. He looked. He, we talked about his slightly awkward running style, and then perhaps he doesn't maybe look like a your sort of natural footballer. But um, he's looked really good. You know, we're talking about. There's lots of stuff on Twitter about Kenlock for England and Roberto Kenlock, and um, <laughs> you know, he's, he's got that trademark chop inside, which I'm, I'm amazed that opposition haven't figured that out yet that that is his shoulder drop and chop inside which seems to get people every time he's now adding the sort of hollywood pass to his repertoire we talked about the assist for the goal he did that a few times and he just looks like a player really enjoying himself and oozing confidence there was a point in the second half where he did a, a lovely little sort of dummy through the legs and it was almost like give the ball to kenlock you know at, at one stage of the game the way he was playing it's um it's really nice to see. And I just thought last night it was interesting that Josh Emmanuel was at right back for Hull. And there were a few tears shed when Josh Emmanuel was, was let go by Ipswich. And I think at the time there would have been a few tears shed if, if Miles Kenlock had, had gone at the same time. But we've seen Josh Emmanuel kind of come back again and hit new heights and, and maybe players develop at different rates. And hopefully Miles Kenlock can, can blossom in the same way that Emmanuel is. The thing I have enjoyed about Kenlock over the, the last two games, all those things that you've said, Stu, but as well, in both of the games, coming towards kind of the 60-70 minute mark, there have come, become spells where his man has started to get the better of him a little bit in spells, but he's recovered in both of those last those last two games really well and actually got back on top of his personal defensive battle, which, which that's going to happen in games. There are going to be spells where the opposition have a bit more of the ball and get past you a couple of times and cause a few problems. But if you can reassert your, your kind of defensive dominance on it, you're, you're going to be okay. And, and he, he's managed to do that in both of the last two games when it has got a little bit tough. So for me, that was a really good sign as well. Mm. And obviously, big on, on nicknames. I say we're big on nicknames. I'm big on nicknames. And I was infused to see Edward Packard, a member of the Coway Army last night, suggesting 10 lock for Ken Lock. 10, a reference to his average match rating, clearly going forward. So we we, sh- we shall see. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about about the game, boys? Because clearly we have to talk about Lambert after the game. Um, anything to mention more about the game before we get into that, though? Um, 
a slight note of caution to, to, to sort of... I, I, I don't wish Boo. to damage things a little bit. <laughs> uh, for me, I don't want to fall into the trap of saying Hull were poor because I think Ipswich made them look poor. I think this was about Ipswich playing well. Um, but Hull remind me so much of sort of being a year further back than Ipswich in their sort of timeline. They're a team that came down in pretty miserable fashion from the championship, stuck with the same manager. I think there was always going to be sort of doubts bubbling under the surface for their fans. They got off to a reasonable start. Grant McCann sort of won a few of them over a little bit, but it wasn't going to take much for it to turn. And they're going through that exact same thing that Ipswich did last year. That's one win in seven all competitions for them now. Okay, they'd scored eight goals in their previous two games. And so that's what makes the clean sheet all the more impressive for Ipswich yesterday. But they have lost to Burton. They have lost to MK Dons in, in February. Um, so there is that against the performance last night. But to flip that on its head, if Hull are third place in the table, and I don't, I didn't think they were that great at Portman Road when they won 3-0, that is just a reminder of how bang average this league is this year. And if Ipswich can finally get it to click and make things happen, it's it's there for the taking. If they can if they can get some run going together, because there's no standout team. There's no standout team. Coventry by this time last year were were pretty much showing themselves as a, a team sort of above the rest. Even Rotherham was starting to look like a one of the better sides. And and in previous years that's that's been the case as well. But this year Nobody's jumping off the page to me, and we've pretty much seen everyone now. Mm. In terms of going forward, I gauged the temperature of, of social media this morning and, and throughout the day. Kawi Army um, giving their thoughts to us, and quite rightly saying that one win, one swallow does not a summer make, and it hasn't changed their opinion one jot on, on Paul Lambert. Um, but, but how was he after the game? Because clearly, this was a, a big win for him, um, one of the best of, of his town career thus far, certainly in the situation that he's in. Uh, but he seemed far from euphoric after the game, Stu. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I fear we're into the stage of overanalyzing every uh, every facial expression and word that that comes out of his mouth at the moment. Um, but he did seem he did certainly underplay it. Which you know, we're going back a few weeks. We were talking about Paul overplaying performances, and everything was incredible and really, really good and when we knew full well it wasn't. And this was the sort of performance where he, he could have justifiably come out and used all of those superlatives, but he didn't. It was very short answers. It was, yep, it's encouraging. The word he kept using was encouraging. It's a step in the right direction. We'll see what happens from there. I think there might have just been a bit of relief there in him that he knows that that was a result and performance that was long overdue. Um so you just don't know what you're going to get from Paul. You got we got the sort of open and honest, long discussion from him after the the Northampton game. Then he was sort of laughing and joking, not a care in the world after Oxford, and then just kind of understated and quite straight and clipped last night is how I would sum him up. Mm. But and what he's saying again though is correct, isn't it? it? You know, it is encouraging, but it doesn't really mean anything unless they they can go on a run and back it up. Um, Moving on then from Lambert last night, let's talk about Lambert and Evans. Last week, Lambert said that he was he was set to meet Evans this week. There was then national reports that it, the, the showdown happened on Friday, which 
Lambert left off in a in a post match presser with you on Saturday, Hutchie. And any update on on the Evans and Lambert hoedown, Stewie? Uh, from what we understand, he's he's about in Ipswich. Um, where are we today? Wednesday, so that will be Thursday, Friday, uh, leading up to the, the weekend home game with with Doncaster. Um, be very interesting to be a fly on the wall for that one to see what they're discussing. As we've said, sort of earlier in the season, a lot of this style stuff has come from Marcus, from what we gather. That was that was very much him telling Paul that the terms of your job this season is to stop the rotation, to play a certain way, to play the so-called Ipswich way. And I think in a certain defence of Paul, this kind of obsession with possession that we kept bemoaning does stem from the owner. So that will be a very interesting chat between the two of them for for Paul to say, well, look, we, we've gone away from that a little bit the last couple of games and produced better performances. So I don't know how that, that conversation would go between the two of them. Um, yeah, what else is up for, for discussion between between that pair? Obviously, the the, the whole structure everything wrong with the club comments from last week that that will have to be something that's um properly discussed won't it do you think that's something he's i think they're probably both aware of their feelings on that though aren't they because because paul has said for quite some time that he's he's told marcus what's been wrong of this club which which has struck me as bizarre that he came out with it at all is that really only a week ago that he he said that about the structure it seems like a lifetime but Mm. I don't, I'm not sure. There's. I'm not sure Marcus is necessarily going to be sitting down with with Paul and asking him fully to explain himself. He might want to know why that suddenly decided to become public knowledge uh, again a week ago, um, and obviously then became more than sort of local news by then, didn't it? It was. It was like national news that Ipswich Town is broken. Um, so, I think there's going to be a big discussion there. But I'm, I'd, I'd be surprised if there's anything in there that he hadn't said to Marcus already, but Mark, you are absolutely bang on. I would pay, I put more money towards being a fly on the wall for that than I would towards Stu's hair transplant. That's, that's, <laughs> that's for sure. We must have the technology somewhere in Archant to do that. Get one, of, literally you, you could probably put a microphone in a fly now, black mirror style. Um, and fly it into the into the boardroom at Portman Road, and, and that's legal, isn't it? That's fine under the like press complaints yeah. and all of that. That's absolutely fine. Yeah. So clearly, both them will be both will be putting their balls on the table, so we'd get that audio wise. Um, we shall God. see. Yeah, <laughs> we, we can't move. We can't move on from Hull um, before asking boys. It was a, it was a a lovely opportunity for you to get closer still with an overnight stop in in Hull, and where else would you rather be at this time of year, or indeed ever? Um, we, we talked about the worst places you'd been on Monday's show, and, and Stu, you, you recounted a horror tale of feces stained curtains and such. How was the experience in, in Hull last night? Um, it wasn't feces on the curtains in Bridgewater. That would, that would, why would there be that on the curtain? I'm pretty sure it was vomit. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I imagine that's just Is that, is that better? Is that better? In, I'm not, I'm not sure that's better. And, uh, I guess it's more. Uh, let's move on from that. <laughs> we don't need to go into the, the whys and wherefores of that. Yeah. Um, staying anywhere in the middle of this lockdown is all a bit weird. We pulled up in the car park um, and it's just all workmen's vans. I think they're the only people kind of 
contractors that are staying anywhere at the moment. The uh, the staff seemed quite bemused when when we walked to check in at about eleven o'clock at night. What are you doing here with your southern <laughs> accents in Hull in the middle of a lockdown? Um, so we had to explain we'd been to the football, and yes, that is essential travel. Yeah, um, <laughs> and, and it was fine. We uh, stayed up, finished our work, went to sleep, and came straight home this morning. They have any bevs on offer? They have a little uh, cheeky bottle of Peroni going, or <laughs> Stu had a cup of tea at two a.m. Didn't you? Oh, rock and roll! Yeah, that was a schoolboy era. Silly. <laughs> yeah. It's not the time to have it just before bed, is it? No, dear, oh dear, dear, oh it, re- dear. it really isn't. On that, on that theme, before we move on, um, we talked obviously about that. The, my, my big question on Monday was the worst place you've ever been. And Daryl Jones, friend of the show number one, sent us a follow up question, which I wanted to talk about now before we get on to Doncaster. He says, My big question for the next pod what is the best rated town with a lowest rated football team? He says mine would be York, which I think is a tremendous shout because York is a beautiful place, um, really, really nice place. I used to live near there when I was a kid and was marginally obsessed with York Minster, gutted when it burnt down. Um, and obviously the Jorvik Viking Centre, beautiful place. Is yeah, York. That's, that is a good Viking Centre, actually. It's, it's the it's the yeah. Viking Centre, if you don't mind Ge- me saying. Genuinely considered to be, to be the best. Yeah, one. can you can you think of uh, of any... So you're looking for the, the lowest-ranked football team, but in a nice town. Can you think of... Uh, you think of any other contenders other than York? Well, I mean, Bristol should absolutely have a, a top flight. Uh, I, I would describe Bristol as being a top flight city slash town. Mm-hmm. They should they they should be they should be higher than they are in in Cam- that regard. Cambridge is a contender, surely. Cambridge is a lovely place. Um, the U's down in League Two. I know they're having a good season, but. Um, Many fond memories of going to watch John Beck's Cambridge back in the day with my old man. Um, Bath or Bath, as you yeah. would say. Bath. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good that's a good shout. I think Daryl's probably bang on actually, though. Yeah. To be honest, York being in non-league, they're not even in the conference. Are they in the conference? I mean, in the North Conference North. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Chuck, Harrogate are obviously football league now. Durham. Um, Cornwall obviously hasn't got any uh, any sort of professional football league clubs. So any anywhere in Cornwall, really, you could. Pads Doherty. Yeah, <laughs> they don't play football down there, though, Stu. It's all rugby. It's all yeah. It's all all egg chasing, isn't it? Yeah. Excellent. All right, let's move on from that that brief um, diversion. Thank you, Dale, for that question. I enjoyed it. York is definitely uh, a good shout. Um, we should also mention, boys, before we move on to Doncaster, there was another game uh, yesterday involving Town and a very strong Town under 23 side featuring exiled duo Caden Jackson um, and John Nolan. But the real, for me, aside from them them playing, it was nice to see Tristan Nydam make his comeback. Um, that, that's really good to see, isn't it, Hutchie? It's been a long, long time. That's J- July 2019 that he broke his... He broke his ankle at Notts County in a in a preseason friendly. That's a long old time for him to be out. There were some complications with that. It was a pretty nasty, pretty nasty break, and he's had a long, long road back to February of 2021 before getting on the pitch again. But it's, it was a real shame for him at the time because he was pushing his case as a left back option, wasn't he? At that back at that time, I believe that's where he played in this 23s game. Um, 
so yeah, great to see him back. I'm sure it's a, a long road from here even now to to get back into the first team picture, but hopefully next season he'll be around because uh, he he certainly showed that he's got a little bit of something about him um, during during his time in the first team. That he was kind of seen as being ahead of Flynn Downs very much in terms of his trajectory at, at one stage, and you quickly become the forgotten man in football, and um, there will be a lot of hard work and blood, sweat and tears and um, mental fatigue that goes on for, for players like that that are out of the picture. Um, so sometimes players who are injury prone almost get mocked a little bit in, in football, but um, it can't be easy, as we've discussed before, for the likes of Hughes and Bishop and others that um, you just can't physically do the job that you're good at and paid to do and have worked so hard to kind of get into that rarefied top 1% who actually make it in football for them to you to get that far and not be able to do it must be heartbreaking so he's, he's a young man he's still got a long way to go and um, hopefully this is uh, the start of his uh, real road to recovery now mm. and just on Hotchie just on Jackson and Nolan playing for the under 23 starting for the under 23s any, any thoughts on that clearly they're in the bomb squad is it a good thing to be making them is it embarrassing them by making them turn out for the under 23s and, and, and play at that level of, of football or is it a a good um, thing. I I think it would have been worse if they had been training with those with that squad and, and then not not played. Um yeah, I you know, I think I think that's just a natural consequence of, of playing with the twenty threes that those are the games you're being considered to, to play in at the moment. I think it's probably a good thing that they played in it rather than not. Um mm. obviously didn't didn't see the game. Um but yeah, I'm I'm not sure anything's gonna change with those two particularly quickly but mm. yeah I think it's probably better that they played than not yeah keep keep their eye in in, yeah. in a certain way at least anyway right then boys Doncaster sixth place Doncaster come to town on Saturday they tonked town 4-1 away that kind of the start of the decline earlier in the season when town had had a, a decent start again um, and after that it's Accrington Stanley away on Tuesday. Another nice long Tuesday night trip for you boys. Never won at Accrington. But but Doncaster Stewie, what do you what do you do with the side? You've you've got a winning side now. You talked earlier about the danger of breaking James Norwood. So do you stick or do you twist? What what would you do? Um they'll have to make that decision based on on what they see and hear from James there'll be an element of of trust there with the player although I imagine he'll be feeling 10 foot tall at the moment and would probably tell them he's ready and sometimes you have to take those decisions out of players hands but I can also see that you can sometimes put too much stock in spreadsheets and sports science and players being in the red zone and stuff like that Uh, I just think this is a, a massive crucial juncture now for Ipswich because we're probably at the stage where Ipswich need to win at least 10 of their last 18 games. Um, so if you let these next couple sort of slide away, they've got to give everything at these next couple of games. And and, and I think it's a risk worth taking with Norwood with, with these two games being so big. So you're going, you're going unchanged again then, Stu? Would that be your... Um, is Downs coming back Pro- in? Is he? Is he served his? Uh, 
based purely on form, I'd, I'd be trying to go with the same again, but I, there's the same question marks over Teddy Bishop. So if there was to be any change, it would be potentially downs for Bishop, but I'd be tempted to go again. Mm. Um, I've still got question marks over Keenan Bennett. He's, uh, he's an exciting player to watch, but the end product is erratic, to say the least. He was... He, I've never known a player be coached so much from the sidelines as Keenan Bennett. We've talked about this in previous pods. I would love to know a count of how many times you heard the name Keenan shouted, primarily from Paul Lambert, but also from his own teammates as well. He seemed to have to be coached positionally, certainly out of when Ipswich were out of possession, continually throughout the game, didn't he, Andy? It was um, that was unbelievable. So maybe Guion Edwards for him would be a change, whether that's one for the weekend or certainly for, for Accrington um, further down the line. That's a change that I, I could see happening at some point. I, I think those two will happen for the Accrington game, potentially. I think the, the gap Tuesday night to Saturday, I think that is a more manageable gap potentially for, for Bishop to get another game in. And then I think we'll see downs. I think we'll see downs in the Accrington game. And I, I think you're probably right with the winger change as well in there that, that Gwion Edwards might might come back into the side. Either I think Guion would be the for me would probably be the player that would come in if um if Norwood's not good to go in one of these games as well and you'd move Parrot up, Judge would move centrally and then Guion would would go out go out to the left wing. But yeah, those 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 are the only two that I'd be considering if I all things being equal. Hmm. Going into this game, boys, how are you feeling? I mean there's there's reason to be positive, isn't there, going into into this game? Clearly, Doncaster, another stiff test, physical side, a side that have thumped the town earlier in the season. But based purely on the last couple of games, there's actually hope, isn't there, Archie? Yeah, yeah. Um, what was it they say about hope? It's the hope that kills you. Um, so hopefully that's not the case. But um, yeah, you, of course, you, it's it's a confidence booster, isn't it? They've shown they can do it. They've 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 done it on Tuesday night. They're coming back to Portman Road and Doncaster, who have been going like an absolute train recently, and just dropped off it just a little bit. Maybe maybe a fairly fairly okay time to play them as well. Then uh, why not? If they if like Stu said I th- a few minutes ago, the time is now, um, and that and that's how this Doncaster game feels. To me, I, I think if they can't back up this whole win this time, then it's impossible. It's, it's really hard to kind of manufacture that optimism. Um, mm. But I, I'd be going into the game feeling feeling optimistic if they can get that same eleven on the field. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Doncaster mm. were, were right up there in terms of the best teams we've seen this season. The four-one defeat uh, earlier in the campaign. Obviously, they're based heavily around sort of Premier League loan players. I wouldn't call them physical. They're quite a technical side. They they knock the ball around quite nicely. So, um, but as Andy said, they they have come off it recently. They were they were absolutely flying, and then um, you know their last results. I'm just looking at it now. They lost three one at Fleetwood. They lost four one at Sunderland. They lost one nil at home to Atkington, and they. Uh, they uh, drew three three against Hull last weekend. They were due to play Tuesday night at was it at Blackpool, and the game got yeah. pulled off for a waterlogged pitch. So they've maybe got the benefit of a few extra days rest, but I, d- I don't read too much into that um, personally. So um, yeah, up for this one. Looking forward to it, and it's been a while since uh, we've been able to say that. Town can do it, boys. Can I tease a prediction out of you, Stewie? First of all, oh. Still got my head on last night rather than looking ahead to the weekend. Um, just say 1-1. One, one. 
just I'm just going to say, uh, let's ride the wave of current optimism from last night. I'm still giddy on the performance. I'll, I'll go for an Ipswich win. Why not? And Hutchie, is it all kicking off in the, in the Hutchie household? Is that what I can hear? Yeah, there's some. There's an element. There's an element of uh, of friction going on between, <laughs> between some members of the household. Um, no, I'm no, I'm I'm straight off. I'm straight out of the car. Straight back from uh, straight back from Hull, and uh, I can't be anything other than optimistic. I'm going to say they're going to win two one. Yes, but come on. I also refuse to be held to that because it's a ridiculously early prediction. So don't come at me if it's wrong. Absolutely, and when that happens, clearly I'll be launching. HMS uh, something the league at some point next week maybe maybe not um, anything I else I don't think they can get a hundred goals and hundred <laughs> points anymore I, th- I think it is literally think... impossible we've gone I... past that threshold. I think I think that ship has sailed I was being facetious boys is there anything else to uh, to say before we take our leave and you can go for a well earned lie down no other business Stewie no other business all that's left for me to say then is first of all I want to shout out our friend Brad from Glory Days Artwork who um, has set up his own website. Um, you may have seen Brad's stuff online. He's done some really, really good stuff. He was at Coe Live 1 selling his wares. He, he, he put out a range of Honey Badger hoodies, which I'm hoping he shifted because I'm not sure what the demand would be for them now. But maybe they'll come back into fashion if town really do th- turn these things around. But anyway, Glory Days Artwork. It's glorydaysartwork, all one word, .co.uk and Brad being a member of the Coe Army himself has given us a discount code KOA10 at the checkout. We'll get you 10% off all of his good stuff. So go and have a look. He does um, obviously drawings, pictures, mugs he's got on there. He's got some really, really good stuff. Town, clearly um, top of the list, but some 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 really nice stuff across music and other stuff as well. So go and have a look there. And I must, of course, mention, um, give us a follow on all the social medias, Kings of Anglia, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. So one day we can overhaul those ruddy Kings of Leon in the Kings in the King's podcast charts. Uh, right then, boys, I am rotated onto furlough FC next week. Another short-term loan. Uh, inevitable that they'd eventually come sniffing around me um, now that you boys have been there and obviously told them all about all the good work that I do. So uh, I won't be around for the next week. So it literally will be the Watson and Warren show next week with a side helping of halls. So I look forward to, to listening to that. Um, have a great weekend, everyone. It's which town the hoodoo is broken. We can be enthusiastic and optimistic for once going into a game at the weekend so enjoy that enjoy the game let's hope town get another result and then next week we can be even more excited although clearly with me not being here the excitement levels won't quite be as as peak as they would be have a great weekend everyone and the boys will talk to you next week from true crime to football brexit to coatsville more great podcasts from archon head to audioboom.com slash channel slash
ask him option head to audioboom.com slash channel slash archive